We're going to continue talking about, um, I want to call it a series, but I don't, I don't call it a series because I never know when either the Holy Spirit's going to mess with me or my ADD is going to kick in. But we're going on three Sundays that I'm kind of staying on the same subject, so I'm doing pretty good. Um, but we're going to huh? Kind of? <laughs> yeah, kind of. That's better than not. <clears throat> and, uh, and we're going to continue talking about on earth as it is in heaven. And I was, this kind of hit me as I was driving and praying. I was out of town for work, and um, this just kept coming back to me, just this whole idea of, of, of heaven on earth and how that looks. And the more I look into it, the more it goes right along with everything that we've been talking about and teaching in here. And it's amazing. Um, I've talked to other pastors about it lately, too, and it's amazing how really just say the same thing in here every Sunday, just different ways, basically. I mean, we talk about a lot of the same things, but from different angles and different, different ways. And so I think the kingdom is just the same way. The kingdom of heaven is, is just the same way. It's a different, a different way of looking at a lot of what we already know to be true. And so I'm going to kind of back up to before what we talked about a few weeks ago and then run through it again and then go to the end, if that makes any sense. Because what we talked about before was the, the Garden of Eden um, and then the fall and the restoration and how uh, these two kind of worlds collide in Christ and then Christ in us. So we're like little pockets of heaven. Do you remember the little me drawn on the boards, if you all remember? Um, we're like the, the temple, the way the temple was in the old covenant is where God and man were together. And now that is is come to fruition in Jesus and in our hearts. And so now when we go and we spread the gospel, we are essentially carrying heaven with us. And so we've, we've kind of gone through that, but I want to back up a little bit because I started thinking about something. And what I was thinking about was the, the whole restoration of, of Eden, the whole restoration of the garden. Now, I've done a demonstration before teaching something completely different where I would take a book and, and like I would take it off the table and drop it on the floor, and then Trace would come back and put it on like my chair or somewhere else. And we, I did that to explain that that's not restoration because it didn't go back to where it, where it was, right? The root word of restoration is restore. It's re- restored to its original state. And that's what Christ did for us. He restored us to our original state. And so when we say we're basically back to Eden in Christ, if we can wrap our minds around that. So when I started thinking about that, I backed all the way up to past that when Satan fell. And I'm not going to go through the, all the details of the third of the angels, the third of the stars, and all that stuff. But I just want to get to the point where... Uh, Satan was full of himself. He wanted to be greater than God. God booted him and sent him down to earth. So he was basically roaming the earth and evil was all over the earth. So then God plants this garden of Eden with two people on it, Adam and Eve, right? And I'm, I'm going quick through this. So he plants Adam and Eve. Now what was his command to Adam and Eve? Be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. That was their job. That was their, that was their job. And so what, what would have happened if they wouldn't have eaten the fruit? Think about that. They would have multiplied, they would have children, they had children, they had children. And they, they would have slowly but surely, that garden, it wouldn't have had room. They would have eventually subdued the earth. They would have gotten rid of all the evil in the earth and it would have been a new earth. Think about that. They didn't, <laughs> obviously. But what's interesting now is, and here's something uh, I was, Brian and I were talking about. He, he sent me a text the other day. He was like, because we, we kind of text back and forth during the week sometimes. He was like, was there, was there an afterlife in the garden? No, there was no death, right? So why have we focused so much about the afterlife when that wasn't God's original plan to begin with? There shouldn't have been death there anyway. I mean, think about that for a minute. There was no afterlife because there was no death at that time. So if we're restored, why are we so concerned about death? <laughs> why is everything about when we die after that? We've really gotten off, off topic from the original plan. All right, so... Satan's cast down, he's roaming the earth, garden comes uh, in the midst of a chaotic, and we're commanded to do this. Um, 
And basically there was a fall and we essentially handed the keys over to Satan. So okay, well now we're slaves to sin essentially. Death has entered in. We, we gave up our rights that we had. So fast forward to Jesus. Um, Jesus in the wilderness. Satan tempts him and says, hey, do this and I'll basically give you the kingdoms. I'll give you the keys back. And Jesus tricks him and says, no, I'm not going to do that. And basically allows them to kill him. He had to allow him to do it. So he says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys kill him. And I think, uh, who is it? Graham Cook says, uh, if, uh, if Satan was smart enough and, and knew well enough what was going to happen when Jesus died, he would have had everyone killed that was trying to kill Jesus. <laughs> because he overstepped his bounds. He, he overstepped his, his, he thought he had authority. He doesn't have any authority. And I like how Bill Johnson says he's like a, a, a limb that's been broken off. It still looks green, but it's just dying. He has, no, he has no authority. He has power, but he has no authority. And so he overstepped his bounds, and Jesus basically tricked him. <laughs> and he allowed them to kill him so that, and we've talked about this before, so that, and, and Jesus would say, it's better that I leave you. They were like, no, 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 you don't need to leave. We want you here. And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's better that I leave, because when I leave, I'm going to send a Holy Spirit, and he's going to be all over the place. There's going to be lots more of me around here. <laughs> and it is, I can imagine Satan being like, doh. This didn't work out real well. He probably didn't say dough. But, so anyway, so <clears throat> he took the keys back. Jesus took the keys back. He said, okay, I'm not going to do it your way, Satan. I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to take the keys back. So he took the keys back, and the Great Commission, he basically handed them back to us and said, okay, I'm, I'm going to, he said, I've, I have all authority in all the earth. And in heaven and on earth, I have all authority is what Jesus told his disciples, essentially telling us to and what did he say after that? And wherever you go, I go with you. Think about that. Keys were lost. Keys were back. Gives them to us. I go with you everywhere you go. Now, all authority on heaven and earth is with me. Now I'm with you, and I'm everywhere you go. So everything's good, right? Should be. Should be in our hearts. Everything's good. Now, we're going to get to some conflict here, but I kind of want to establish that before we move forward. Does everybody get that pretty much? I know I kind of ran through it quick, but it's pretty straightforward. So we'll start Matthew 4, 23. And this comes after, you guys know, people call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's not the Lord's Prayer. It's really a model prayer Jesus is telling us. Um, but the beginning of it says, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's where a lot of this is kind of stemmed from. But Matthew four twenty three says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought, brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, with demon possessed, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. All right, now there's a couple key words in that first sentence there. It's where Jesus says, he went around teaching, uh, it was saying that Jesus went around teaching, proclaiming the good news of what? Of the kingdom. The kingdom is key. It's so key that this is basically what all this is about is about the kingdom of heaven. He's saying he went around proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. A lot of times when they would preach to Jews, they would call it the kingdom of heaven. It's the same thing. They, it was irreverent in that time to say God out loud or to write it down and things like that. So they would say kingdom of heaven in place of kingdom of God, but they're talking about the same thing. Um, so he's saying that the good news of the kingdom, and he healed every disease. How did he heal every disease? Take two steps back because of the kingdom. The reason he could do any of, that, any of those things is because the, the kingdom was upon him. When Jesus came, he didn't come alone. <laughs> he brought his kingdom with him. 
He was the king in an earthly form in a human body, and he brought that with him. So what he's trying to show the disciples is what you're seeing in these healings is the result of the kingdom coming and crashing into earth, essentially. Does that make sense? So he's trying to give them a behind-the-scenes look. Why would he do that? Because we're messed up. We would get caught up in the healing part, just the healing part. He's trying to show us what's going on behind the scenes. There's something spiritual happening here, and it's the kingdom that's happening behind the scenes. So the healing part is miraculous, and it's great. But what do we do if we just focus on the healing part? We make that a God. And then when someone doesn't get healed, we walk away from the faith because that's what our faith is in. Same way we've talked about churches and theology and, and anything. If we put our faith in anything but Christ and in the kingdom, then, then when it fails us, then we walk away because that's not where our faith should be. So there is healing, but there's more than that. The kingdom's multifaceted. It's not just about healing. And so I love, I love that he shows them this. He's like, okay, we're going to show good news of the kingdom, and, and we're going to heal all these things. So the Spirit, so the Spirit contains the realm called the kingdom. It, it carries it. The Spirit carries the kingdom with it wherever it goes. These things are, are not separate or mutually exclusive. They're together and they're intertwined. So he was trying to show them that the Spirit was what was actually manifesting the healing and that the healing was just a part of that kingdom. So what's neat about Jesus is he said several times, I only do what I see the Father do. Why is that important? Jesus purposefully, and this is, we have to be careful with this because I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm saying that Jesus wasn't fully God because he was, but Jesus purposefully limits himself. Does that make sense? He perfectly, uh, perfectly, he does perfectly do it. He purposely limits himself to doing things as a human, listening to his father, essentially being spirit-filled, if you would want to call it that. The reason he did this is because we had to see that. We've talked about this before. We can understand things sometimes theologically in our minds, and we can try to figure them out. But when we see things, it changes things, and God's so patient with us that he shows us things so that we can understand them more clearly. So what he did was he, he showed us that these things could happen in human form. Now, why is that important? Because if he was just fully God, not in human form, and he did it, that would make us just spectators. That would, that would, that would make us lucky to be in the room to see some of these things happen. And sometimes I feel that way. I'm just lucky to be around some of these things. But if, and I believe he is, if he limits himself to human form because it said, he said he was tempted, and God can't be tempted, so it says he was tempted in these things. So if he limits himself to human form, and he only does what he hears the Father do, and he only listens to what the Father says, now that puts me in another awkward position. Now I'm not just a spectator. Now I can participate in what he's doing. Does that make sense? Now I see that in human form, he can carry this Holy Spirit, and he can do some pretty miraculous things carrying the kingdom with him. Now that takes me from just a spectator, just from someone looking on and admiring a God that can do really cool things, and now it gives me a purpose. <laughs> right? It, do what? He brings it down to our level. Mark used to call it putting cookies on the bottom shelf. Okay, I get it now. Now, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the thing every human desires. What's our purpose? What's our purpose in life? And it shows us that now we can be partakers of this divine nature now. This is the reality of the kingdom when it invades earth and it begins to, to, to essentially crash into darkness. And what happens when light hits darkness? It wins. <laughs> Every time. Now listen, this is the key to that because we can get messed up. When we say light defeats darkness every time and we pray for someone and they get healed and we've seen it. This is not a third person, fourth person, first hand. We've seen people healed here. We've seen people raised from the dead. We've seen people raised from diseases that were terminal. We have seen 
very miraculous things firsthand here. What would, what would happen if we didn't get this revelation and, that, and, and, and then one person didn't get healed? Then our faith is in just the healing and it's not in the kingdom. Do you see the difference there? We, we, can't, we can't limit ourselves to our perspective of his reality. Does that make sense? And what, hap- what happens is if we have a perceived outcome and we pray our perceived outcome instead of his will, and not to say that, that his will would ever be for anyone to perish, but I'm saying if we, if we pray something with our perceived outcome and it doesn't work out that way, then our faith is in our perceived outcome and not his will. It's, it's, it's not kingdom prayers because any prayer, that, any prayer that you ever prayed is a kingdom prayer. It's your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Any prayer that we ever pray, that's, that's the prayer that we're praying. And th- this is the core of what we have to establish if, we're, if we think we have any effect on the world at all. <laughs> we have to know what that effect is. I said that when we see Jesus, there's, it requires a response from us. He's either who he said he was or he's not. Uh, C.S. Lewis said he's either a man that says he's a poached egg, like an insane person, or he's who he's, he can't be a good moral teacher and blatantly lie about being the son of God. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, this is very simple stuff. He is, he's either who he said he was or he's not. And if he is, and, and if he could do these things in human form, then that means that we can too, and he says we'll do even greater things. That can mess us up a little bit. And it, and it, can, it can be kind of weird sometimes. <laughs> I'm speaking from experience. It can, it can get a little weird sometimes because it's not, it's not, there's not a tradition and there's not a box that he can fit in when that happens. And what happens when an infinite heaven, a perfect and infinite great heaven crashes into a very limited earth, it, it can rattle some things loose. <laughs> it can change some perspectives that you didn't expect to change. And it can affect people in different ways. I mean, I, completely different ways. It can put people off real quick. Or it can, it can amaze them and get them very curious. For me, it got me very curious when I would see things and I couldn't explain them. And I'm getting way ahead of myself. All right. The kingdom, of, the kingdom of heaven changes everything. All right, if I cast out a demon, that's just evidence that heaven has collided with earth. Light collided with darkness, and darkness will never defeat light. If the outcome of prayer does... I already said that. I'm getting way ahead of myself. All right. Seeking the kingdom is not seeking a place, it's seeking a person. Communion with God is the kingdom of heaven. When we talk about um, uh, temples in the old covenant where we would meet, where, where they would meet God, the high priest would meet God, now we're the temple that carries the Holy Spirit. So where we are, the kingdom is, and where the kingdom is, we are with God. And so when we talk about the kingdom of God is like, and he says it several times is like, and he uses a lot of different explanations, it's because in our minds we want to call it a place. We want to see the pearly gates and the gold roads, and we want to see the things as though it's, it's just a place. But it's not just a place that's much deeper than that. It's, it's a spiritual realm. <laughs> we talked about, uh, we've used several different examples, like the Matrix and the Upside Down. There's this, there's this parallel realm going on that we have access to now. That if we don't realize that we have access to now, we, we really walk around hopeless until we die. I mean, I, I don't know any other way around it. And I've tried to think about it in lots of different ways. If, if there is no access to heaven now, then everything that we do, essentially on this earth, doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> or it, doesn't, it, doesn't give, 
it doesn't give a real purpose if, if, there's no, if there's no reality of the kingdom now. And I believe that there very much is. Um, Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or, and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness deals with the sin issue, peace the torment issue, and joy the healing issue. Righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of heaven is in the Holy Spirit. We have to see that. I'm going to say it a couple times in here. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy. Where? In the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is carried in the Holy Spirit. It's like a, like a Holy Spirit river with the kingdom in it. <laughs> so the kingdom of heaven changes everything. We talk about metanoia being repentant, being repentance, changing your mind. What changes our mind? The kingdom changes our mind. It's the core of everything that we, we do and operate from is this kingdom of heaven that now we carry. It, it, it should change everything that we do if we see it for what it is. Matthew sixteen thirteen says, When Jesus came to the region, he asked his disciples, Who do people say I am? This is when Peter, um, he changes Peter's name to, to the rock. Uh, he says, who do people say that, that the Son of Man is? Verse 14, he says, and then replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you were Peter, now, he uses two different words here. One's, I think, Petrus, and one's Petro. And one's Little Rock, which is a movable rock, and one is a large rock, like a mountain that's unmovable. So the Little Rock is Peter. He names him Peter, which is the Little Rock. But then he says, on this rock, which is the large stone, large stone the mountain, and he's talking about the truth that Peter has discovered and who Christ is. Do you see the separation there? I know a lot of people have said, well, the, the church is built on Peter. He, they didn't build it on Peter. Peter would have messed it up if it was just on Peter. <laughs> But it was, it was the revelation that Peter had, and where did he get the revelation? Back up and look at it. I want you all to look at it. Where did he get the revelation? From flesh and blood? From thinking harder? From his father in where? Heaven. He, he, he got the kingdom of heaven right then. He understood exactly who Christ was. He wasn't just a prophet. He, he wasn't, because people talk about, oh, I wish I'd have a double portion like the prophets or something like that. No, you don't. They would die to have what you have now in the new covenant. Jesus wasn't just a new prophet. <laughs> we have to see that. Jesus was completely and utterly of, not of this world, but based in a human form. And he ushered in the new covenant. He wasn't Elijah. He wasn't any of the old prophets. He was something completely different. He was the son of God. And so Peter realizes it, and Jesus says, on that revelation right there is what I want to build my church on. That revelation birthed from heaven given to you by the Holy Spirit, that's what I want to build my church on. That's the core of Christianity right there. And he says, this is what I'm going to build my church on. And the gates of hell might overcome it. No. <laughs> the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, in my Bible, my digital Bible on the computer, it has the little footnotes at the bottom. 
because when this, when this gets translated a lot, sometimes some stuff gets lost in translation. I'm glad it had that footnote because I've always kind of struggled with this because how can you bind something in uh, time and space that's bound out, that's outside of time and space? And here's why. That's actually worded incorrectly. If you look at the footnotes, it should say whatever you bind on earth will have been already bound in heaven. And what, what is loosed on earth will have been loosed in heaven. What he means is all you're doing is agreeing with what heaven is. You're not, it's not working in reverse. You're not walking around binding things up and then they're bound there. They're already bound there. <laughs> and they're already loose there. Think about it this way. You have a five-star restaurant. Julius, you can appreciate this. <laughs> you have a five-star restaurant and we've eaten there and it's very nice. Um, big, <laughs> unashamed plug for Felix's. Check it out. It's really good. Um, <laughs> say you've got a five-star restaurant and you buy a little dumpy place and what's the first thing you do? Do you continue serving that food that's not done well? No. You begin to replace it with your menu and your people and your staff, and you clean the place up and you make it better. This is what we do when we bring heaven to earth. We agree with what's already going on up there, and we just share it with everybody else down here. We're not, we're not, a, we're not, a, we're not calling the shots. All we're doing is listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying, realizing what's actually going on up there and how great it is, and sharing it with other people. Not only are you reinforcing what's there, we're skipping ahead, but I'll go with it because you, you, you segued it. Not only are you reinforcing it, but you, you, you as a, as a born-again Christian, are changing the atmosphere with your words because the Spirit is carried with your words now. You, you don't realize the power you have. The power of life and death is in the tongue. That's not just a, a clever saying that you can decoupage and put on your wall. Another plaque. Another plaque. <laughs> I'm going to call my lawyer and tell him to... <laughs> That's true because now, and that's what I'm getting to, and I'm glad you said this. We'll, I know we, we I'm rambling, okay. Um, so it will be on earth as in heaven. It's, so it's not just that people are healed, although that's part of it. But it's also restoration in relationships. It's joy. It's peace. It's, it's, all, it's millions of other things. The kingdom's not limited to the things that you just understood and maybe your, your denominational upbringing or your reality that you've seen most recently. That's, the kingdom's not limited to our perspective. <laughs> so the kingdom is multifaceted, and it includes many, many, many things. And so we, we can't look at just those things. So it's, it's, it's real life. It's abundant life. It's a brand new life. We talk about being born again. It's genuinely being born again. It's what Nicodemus couldn't wrap his mind around. What do you mean? I've got to get back in my mother's womb and then be born again? He's like, uh-uh, no. No, that's not what it means. It means that you're a brand new creation and your old life is gone. It means you don't have that old life anymore. It's gone. So, God has called you individually and us corporately as a church to accept His purpose, this very purpose, to spread the kingdom of heaven on earth until this world looks like that world. Essentially, that's our, that's our primary purpose. Everything that Jesus did was practical. This is the cool thing. Everything that Jesus did was super, super practical. But it was tremendously profound (laughs) at the same time. But it was very simple and practical, and he made it that way on purpose, I believe. Um, But he made it where common fishermen could even get it. I mean, anybody could get it. The the most basic laborers or or any, and and not to break it down that there aren't great intellectual people that can get it, God can gift people to do that as well. 
But he doesn't limit it to just the smart people. Thank God. I wouldn't be here if that was the case. He, he can give the, the, very, um, the very least educated, if I guess we could call that, I don't want to be rude to anybody, but best, the very least educated, the most revelation. A child, perfect example, thank you. I was trying to think of that, and I couldn't come up with it. A child. He can get, and I don't want to go, I don't want to chase this too, but I'll chase it a little bit. Don't hinder your children from hearing from the Lord and praying either. You, you don't, as a society, I think we've, <clears throat> we have a tendency to do that, and I'm guilty as, as, as anybody. I'm not just trying to preach to you guys. Listen to your kids when they talk, because they'll surprise you with some of the revelation they have. And I'll stop there, because I'm about to start crying, because I start thinking of things that, when I've actually seen that happen, and it's awesome. Um, in John 6, he talks about the words I've spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Go back to Romans again. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy, where in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of, the kingdom of heaven is in the Holy Spirit, and when you say what the Father is saying, you just change the atmosphere in the room. So when you speak words, those words are carrying the Holy Spirit. Think about that. When Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, how did the kingdom of heaven get so close? He spoke it into happening. When he talks about Jairus' daughter, anybody, any, anybody he raised from the dead, he said they're just sleeping. Were they just sleeping or were they dead? Doesn't matter. When he said they're sleeping, now they're just sleeping. Because he carried Holy Spirit power in, in the way that he was speaking. When he spoke, things changed. This reality changed because of the reality that he was operating from. Does that make sense? So when we carry and we realize this is where our mind has to be renewed, when we realize we carry Holy Spirit power and we pray, we have an expectation of something happening. What we can't get caught up in is exactly what happens. <laughs> I laugh because you don't know what's going to happen. I speak from experience. You don't know. I've had some of the most powerful prayers. I've heard people pray over people and God not move in the way that I thought he would, and I've had the most lackluster Sounded to me like apathetic prayers, and someone get healed. Don't. That's and I think part of it is, and I call those. I call one of them passion and apathetic. I may be completely off on that because I was looking at the outside, not the inside. Don't think about the way that we do things, or the way that we see things done, as much as where they're coming from. That's why we always talk about the why and not the how as much. We can talk about the how. I like to talk about the how amongst friends and small groups. But the why to me is the more important. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why do we spread the kingdom? Why, why, why pray for people? I mean, why? Um, if the result isn't always the way that we think the outcome is. I, I believe it's because we have each individually been called to the same purpose. I think all of our calling is the same. I think that's why there's unity among the believers is when we hear from the same Holy Spirit and we all have the same calling, regardless of our, either our upbringing or our thoughts and theological thoughts, that we can agree on one thing is that we genuinely want to see restoration in people, whether that's physical healing, spiritual healing, relational healing. All of those things come with, in Romans 14, 17, if the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I think that when we, when we carry Holy Spirit power and we pray for people, those three things should be coming out of our mouths when we speak it. There should be righteousness. There should be the sin issue squashed because Jesus squashed it. When we, when we speak to people, we should be telling them that they are forgiven in Christ if they just are born again. We should be telling them of the good news of the gospel. We should be telling them that 
that they're righteous because of Christ, that they can have peace now. They don't have to be tormented anymore. That they can have genuine peace, that they can have joy, not just temporary joy um, laced with guilt or shame and, 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 and not, you know, because there's, there's a misconception that God's some cosmic killjoy that doesn't want us to have fun. That's the farthest thing from the truth. God is the source of joy. It's where it comes from, real joy. That we don't, we don't get to the end of that joy and go, oh, I feel guilty and bad about it. No, I'm happy about it. I want to share it. Do you see the difference? So when we, carry, when we carry Holy Spirit power, when we go into a room and we speak to people, just like you were saying, we, we change the atmosphere around us. I mean, radically. This is what Tracy tells our kids all the time. Every morning she tells them before they leave, smile. Smile at somebody at school today. If, if nothing else, brighten somebody's day. She tells them every morning. Be, what do you say, be the light, be the sunshine to somebody today, every day. Yeah, change, change the atmosphere of every place you go into. What does, that, what does that do to a person, especially a child? It puts them in a position that they know that they can make a difference in somebody's life. It should do the same in adults. Because if we don't think that we can do that, we're not going to do it. If I, don't, if I don't know that I can actually do that, if I... Or if I'm depending on my own abilities to do it, I'm not going to do it because I, I know I can't do it on my own. Here comes grace. Oh. Here comes grace. You know what? You can't do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it for you. Listen to what I have to say and share it. I'll make it simple for you. You go, well, I don't understand this scripture. It's okay. I'll help you. The Holy Spirit's a comforter, not an uncomforter. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, he's not trying to take you out of your comfort zone. He's trying to put you into it. He's trying to get you into a place that you were created to be. Why would reconciliation make us tormented? It doesn't. Reconciliation draws us nearer to what we're called to be. Now, sometimes it doesn't fit our ideas, and so it may feel temporarily uncomfortable, but it's not. He's actually putting us in a place where we'll be the most comfortable we'll ever be, where our gifts line up with his, with his calling, and we begin to operate from the Holy Spirit, and we're happy when we do it. We're not begrudgingly doing it. We serve, and we don't, we don't treat service at church as though we find our value in it. We just love to serve because we love the people that are around us. Do you see the difference? So when we help somebody, we don't help, we don't help somebody so that we get some jewels in our crown one day, and we can ride in a Ferrari on a street of gold and when we get to heaven. And do donuts, because that's what I would do. Now we can operate from that place now, and we can make a difference in people's lives. Yeah? And not to say that we don't ever mess up. Now, did you feel bad after you did that? Oh, I felt bad about the first part. <laughs> but not. But after when you go back and you saw what a difference you made in, in, in oh that. Oh, my gosh, that made me feel 
it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming the joy that the joy that you have when you you actually make a difference in somebody's life. When you actually make a difference in somebody, and we've done it before, praying for a, a waitress, and they're just having a horrible night, and they just fall apart because people don't appreciate a lot of servants that servants, a lot of people in the service industry is what I meant to say, um, get treated badly, and unfortunately, some of it comes from church members. I mean, it kills. It gives us a horrible name. So I always encourage everybody to tip tip big and pray for your waitresses and waiters, not just waitresses. Well, the, the best part of that is that the Holy Spirit was leading you to do that. And, and it, it wasn't just, here's the cool thing. It wasn't just for her benefit. It was for yours too. And, it's, and here's the thing. We've got to be okay with that. Enjoy the Holy Spirit. I say you can be a happy adult all the time. Be a happy adult. <laughs> It's okay. Laugh, joke. You know, it's okay. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Laugh, uh, fellowship, hang out, do fun stuff. It's okay. God's not, you know, like, come on, you've had enough fun. No, He's right there with you. And I really think, you know, I think, uh, and Brian and I joke around about it. I think, uh, you know, God's right there on the jet ski when I'm riding jet ski and He's having a blast. He's with me. If, he's, if the Holy Spirit's with me, he's having a blast too. He's not disappointed in me because I haven't witnessed to five people because I've been out, you know, riding for 30 minutes or whatever. We've got it all messed. Like, God's not angry. He's not like this furious guy. If he, he, and I said it in worship too, and it was, a, it was a, I don't know if I relate it very well. It was an incredible vision to me. Um, but he, he created us in his image, and he's, he's so good that he knows how good he is, and he wants us to benefit from it. <laughs> I mean, it's weird to even think about. He's not like, hey, I want y'all to worship me so I can feel like I'm awesome. He's so awesome that he gives us an opportunity to, to, to feel that, to, to experience it. And he's like, hey, I know how good it is to be me. <laughs> I want you guys to feel it too. You know what I mean? Like, to me, this just blew my mind when I was worshiping. I was like, yeah, that's really cool. Because he gave us that agape love that thinks of other people more than us. Why? Because he thinks of us more than he thinks of himself, and he shouldn't. He's much greater than we are. And so he gives us that gift. And so then what do we do with it? We share it with other people. We start thinking of other people more than we think of ourselves. Not sacrificial that we need to beat ourselves up about it all the time, but that we just share what he's given us. We just go, this is great. Everyone should enjoy this. We should share this good news. Seems like a pretty simple thing. And that's what we do. We go around and we, we, we carry this, this joy and this peace and this righteousness with us and we just give it to people and we demonstrate it. We spend time with them. We build relationships. And whether it's physical healing or relational healing or spiritual healing, whatever it is, the Holy Spirit will do that part. You just get to be involved in it. You just get to be a part of it and enjoy it through the process. It's really cool. That's all I got. Anybody got anything? <laughs> Anybody got anything else to say? Yeah, hang on. Let's get a mic. The Lord's just been reminding me um, because we all come um, we all come in touch with different situations in our life every day. And I'm a fixer. I want to fix everything that's broken in people, and I want to fix I want to fix everything. And the Lord has just been gently reminding me, baby. If you'll just do what you do and let me do what I do, we'll get the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. So you do your part and I'll do mine. You put your hand in my hand and together 
we'll, we'll, we'll do it together. And so we really are partners. We are, we are partners with Christ. And we can't do what he, he do. <laughs> we can do what we do. You do, do you, boo. I do what I do. I do. Exactly. And, and we'll get it done. So that's all. <laughs> Sounds good. That's awesome. Yeah. Doug? Oh yeah. Where God doesn't day. ask he doesn't ask about our ability or our inability. He only wants to know about our availability. Availability. That's invalid. No, it's not. It's <laughs> you remember that? Our availability. So he doesn't ask for our ability or inability, he asks for our availability. Here I am. Here I am. Use me. Just show up. Yeah, just show up. It's not it's it really is a simple gospel, and I almost asked y'all to play to do that song again. We did it last last Sunday, but I almost asked y'all again to do it. I was like, I love that song. It's, it's, it really is a simple gospel, and we really overcomplicated it. Microphone. I, I just feel I've been on a, a journey of here is my image of you know I, I've received all these promises that the Lord has given me, and so I start daydreaming with God. And I'm Oh, it's just going to be glorious. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be this and this and that. And then you start traveling and you're like, hey, wait a minute. This, this is not what I had envisioned. God, what's up with this? And, but you, you, you keep going and you start to understand that what God had intended in the first place is completely 180 different than what you what we had envisioned and i think i think we can get that vision that we have in our head we can that's an idol for us yeah. and we we can be so deeply disappointed but what he has is so much better mm-hmm. and i think we need to be open to say okay god whatever it looks like let your kingdom come yeah that's good and i think we have to, before we can get to that place sometimes, we have to, we, we have to be able to open up and allow him to, to lead us in those directions because if we don't, then we, we, we think that we have it all figured out. And like you said, we create this, this, this false reality in our heads that it's going to be this way, and if it's not this way, then it's going to be bad when God's got a greater plan for us and it may be going in a different direction than we even know. Yes, Carrie. I think... We interpret that verse you were quoting earlier about the kingdom of God is it like a man who found a treasure and sold everything. And we think about it as stuff. Right. But I really think it's, it's um, like Victoria was talking about, it's assumptions. Oh, yeah. As we lay down our assumptions, it is so painful to, it, it, it is painful to assume life is going to be a certain way mm-hmm. and for it to not be that way. But in the process, in the process is where we have the grace. And I've heard grace is defined as the power to become like him. And it is in that process of laying down our assumptions, of, of laying down our treasure and picking up his treasure, mm-hmm. that we know him. And that is how we become like him. And that's how we become the, the little Christs, <laughs> the Christians that live in the world and are Puddles of light are the pools of light in the world. Yeah. It, is, it is in that that we know him. And it is better than anything we can ever imagine in knowing him. Yeah, and I think, <clears throat> I think it, 
I think it could be assumptions, and I like that too, but I think it could be anything else. That's why I think the, the kingdom's so multifaceted, even that. It could be anything that we put outside of, of the plan that God has for us because it's so much greater than any of those things. Once we realize it, he's saying that's what the kingdom of God is like. It's so much greater that everything else pales in comparison. Every, even every, everything you could think of, anything, the greatest thing you could think of pales in comparison to this, re, this restored relationship we have with the Father. And I think it's even, uh, even going back to the Sermon on the Mount when he's talking about blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are all these different types of people. And, I, and Mark put it this way too. I believe it's, it's, it's a defining moment because he's saying, it doesn't, basically, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You're blessed because of Christ. So you can be blessed regardless of, the out, of what's going on around you, your circumstances. It, when, when, you, when you see the kingdom for what it is and you know that you carry it with you, no matter what's coming at you, whether it's flaming arrows or just distractions or whatever it is, when you recognize what it is and you walk from that place, it's a pretty powerful position to be in. And I, I'm, I'm saying that because you can't get discouraged as easily. I'm not saying you can't get discouraged as, at all because we can all get discouraged. But you don't get nearly as discouraged as easily as long as you come back to that place and go, okay, I see all these things that I think are bad. They're, they, they're, not pretty, they're pretty obviously not to my benefit right now in my life. And there's several of them. But I know that I carry this Holy Spirit with me and I know that God has a plan for me and I know that, I, that without a shadow of a doubt that he's going to bring me through this. And that it's going to be greater than anything. Because it, 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 I keep saying this, but it changes everything. It changes everything. The kingdom of heaven changes everything. Uh, changes everything. That's it. I don't want to, I don't want to keep going because we'll, I'll stay here all day. We, anybody else got anything? I, I can share a little bit. Um, <laughs> I can always share a little bit. Yeah. It's not just going to have the microphone. No, go ahead. Um, preconceived notions are what lock, lock you into missing what God's doing in your life. Um, I know, for example, a lot of times there, when, when young people are aspiring to be married, and sometimes, especially with females, they'll, they have this long list, and they have a criteria, and they also have, this is how it's all going to be. And then they meet somebody that could be what God has for them, but because it, he doesn't fit the exact expectation, or, you know, it can get out of hand there. But what makes it all work is Romans eight twenty eight. Everything that God's doing in your life is working together for good. Mm-hmm. Um, the way we got to this church was, uh, like we've said many times before, going to Honduras and having a, a disappointing outcome from something that we had envisioned for 14 years, and it kind of crumbled before our eyes. And we came back, and through the pain of that situation and adjusting and rebooting our lives, we wound up here. And we've been ministered to and built up and never been happier. And we're preacher's kids, never been happier in our life because God led us besides still waters and green pastures. You know, we've, we've found a place of contentment that we can trust in. Right. Through all the pain. It's all good. That's awesome. And that wasn't y'all's plan at all. <laughs> no, we we're going to live down there. Yeah. I just thought, while you were saying that too, I just thought about when, when, when I was studying, uh, and I'll wrap up with this and we'll pray, but when I was studying, uh, going back over everything this morning and, and praying, started getting knots in my stomach and then I forgot the, again I forgot the key in my pocket for Tracy so she didn't have a ride so she had to borrow her mom's car to come up here and that didn't help and I, my stomach was just in knots and I'm not blaming Tracy it was my fault but I don't know what it was whether I've got an ulcer or something in my stomach but I mean I was in excruciating pain and uh, I came in here and I was praying about it and the worship team we always pray together every morning um, and as it was funny because I'm talking about this you know this is what I'm preaching on and as I was just kind of pacing the floor or whatever, and it just clicked with me, and I was like, why, why am I not praying for myself right now? 
And so I began to pray for, and, and we even had a little contingency plan. I was like, hey, if I get sick and I have to go like throw up or something, we'll just do testimonies or somebody's going to have to come up here and do something. I mean, we talked about it. Um, that's what I thought about when you were talking. I was like, hey, this worked out and my stomach's a lot better. It's not 100%, but I'm not in excruciating pain like it was. But I began to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done right now, Father. I think, th- I think what you have to say is for someone in here and I don't want to miss it. Um, and so I just pray that you can take this away from me so that I can speak. And he did. And it was that simple. I didn't, you know, I didn't have to run around or beat on a drum or <laughs> I didn't have to do anything, do cartwheels or anything. I, I just prayed and I said, look, this, this is what I'm talking about today. Let's go ahead and try it. <laughs> Let's go ahead and do it right now. I mean, I, I truly believe this, and he did. I mean, it was literally that quick. As soon as I prayed it, it was, it was gone. And so I just thought it was cool. I, I just thought about it as, as we wrap up and I'm about to pray. I made it. I made it. <laughs> and, it's, and it was because of that. So, uh, well, let's... One more. Wait, 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 wait. Let's get a mic. We'll put you on the internet. It's going to be amazing. A lot of times we, we tend to focus in on our pain that we, we have. And, and I notice when, when I focus on the pain that I have, um, it, it just magnifies the pain. Yeah. But when I focus in on the kingdom of God, I forget about the pain, what the kingdom has to offer. Oh, yeah. So, um, with that said, I'm just going to read this, 1 John uh, 3.21, it says, Dear friends, if our, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. Mm-hmm. So, praise God. So, That's we awesome. just focus on the kingdom and things we do, change. We do the same thing with sin. When you focus on sin, you end up sinning more. When you focus on Christ, you don't. It's like positive displacement because you're looking at what you should be doing and what you're created to do and not your old dead life that you're not even supposed to be even looking at. So you don't focus on sin anymore. We focus on Christ and we focus on that. And pain is the same way if we focus on pain. And if you've ever had pain, like a migraine or a kidney stone, pain can, can really be polarizing. I mean, it can really grab your attention and it can consume your life pretty quickly. I, I, if y'all remember several years back, I thought I was dying. I mean, I'd, once I started feeling this pain, I, I thought, and you can't Google anything. You know, my elbow hurts. I've got elbow cancer. So you can't Google anything because it's all bad. So I began to Google stuff because I'm curious, and it was just like, I'm a goner, man, everything. I thought, I don't remember what it was. I thought my kidneys were failing at one point, and I thought all this crazy stuff was happening. But it's, po- it's very polarizing when you begin to feel pain. If you get focused on that stuff, it can really distract you. And, and, uh, and I think that's true. When we focus on Christ, it's so much better. When you feel this thing, when you, when you feel a tug towards, towards pain or, or unforgiveness or, or sin or whatever it is, if we'll just go straight to the source that fixes all those things, that puts us in a position where we're not under condemnation anymore, that we can come boldly to the, the throne of judgment, then it's like, here we are. What, el- what else do we have to fear? What else do we need to be afraid of? Death can't hold us anymore. There's no, there's no fear in death. <laughs> and we're not waiting to get any benefit. We're not waiting just so that we can go to heaven now. Now we have benefits of heaven now because it's been deposited in our heart. Now we start eternity now and we continue it on and we just change zip codes when we physically die. We don't get a new spirit, just a new body. Your spirit keeps going. So eternity starts now. All right, I'm rambling. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, um, thank you for the patience that everyone can hang out a little bit longer. Um, but I, I just thank you that we, we are as a church, we are like a living organism. So it's not just me that hears from the Holy Spirit. And I love hearing people um, hearing from you and, 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 and kind, of, kind of giving back some, 
some great revelation in this place. So, Father, I just thank you for that. And, and I pray that, that, that you would just continue to give that revelation as we leave this place, Lord, that you would, you would just open our eyes and our ears to the people that are around us, Lord, that we, just like Tracy tells our kids every morning, that we can be the light to them today. We can, we can demonstrate your goodness in the most practical and simple ways, and it can be so supernatural that people could be healed by it. Father, we know that in Scripture, even people's shadows would just fall and, and they would just feel your goodness and they would be miraculously healed. It's the same way with us, Father. A smile, a touch, a compliment, a text can change somebody's life. It can change their life. The words we speak bring life because of your Holy Spirit. So, Father, don't let us focus on our, on our abilities or our inabilities, but just make us available to you in everything that we do, in the smallest things to the largest things. Holy Spirit, lead us in Jesus' name. Amen.